Welcome to The Laptop Lifestyle. I'm your host, Alexis Teichmiller, digital content creator for brands and companies and online entrepreneur. Whether you're running a business full-time, starting a side hustle, or just beginning to think about starting a business, you are in the right place. The Laptop Lifestyle is for you, the unconventional thinker, the person who isn't afraid to step outside of their comfort zone and pursue creativity over complacency. Each week, we will unlock how to build passionate online communities and thriving online businesses. All right, Laptop Lifestylers, let's jump in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Laptop Lifestyle. Today on the show, I have one of my friends, one of my mentors, and I just love this woman so much, and I honestly cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Her name is Megan Minns. She is a productivity and system strategist who helps business owners streamline their systems, simplify their tech, and organize their business to get more done the lean way. Anybody else need help with that? I know I do. Megan creates done-for-you tools and templates that free up your focus to do the work you love most and free up your time to spend with the people you love most, which I absolutely love. One of my favorite quotes from today's episode with Megan is, evolution is necessary. Your business cannot stay the same forever and remain successful. Guys, we dig into some really heavy topics like pivoting in your business and really making sure that you are always evolving. We get into topics like productivity, setting boundaries, setting expectations with clients. Guys, this episode is so rich with incredible wisdom from Megan, as well as tactics on how you can be more productive and get more done as a solo preneur. Okay, guys, we're going to jump into the show. If you guys are listening to this episode right now on your phone, I would love if you would screenshot the episode and actually just go over to Instagram and tag me that you're listening to the show. I would love that. Yeah, just screenshot it, upload it to your Insta stories, tag me in it. I love seeing you guys share the show on Instagram. It warms my heart and I love this community that we are building together. Okay, guys, let's jump in. Hey, hey, Laptop Lifestylers. It is your host, Alexis Teichmiller here. And today on the podcast, I have one of my friends. She's a new friend. I consider us besties at this point. Her name is Megan Menz. And girl, I'm so excited to have you on the show because you're one of those people I've followed online for probably like the last year or so. Um, you and Mariah Cause, you know, you guys both run Femtrepreneur together and I've listened to your podcast, watch you guys on video. And then I find I finally got the chance to meet you in Vegas a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, this girl's legit. I'm, I know we're going to be friends. Yeah, we're already best friends in my mind too. So <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored and excited to chat with you today. Yeah, girl, I'm I'm really excited to get started. So for, for those of you guys who may not know Megan, she is a business strategist, really helps people get clarity on their productivity and what kind of systems and processes that they're using. And for someone like me, who is an entrepreneur, multi-passionate, 
something I struggle with is systems and processes and business strategy and productivity. And so I know you kind of started out in the corporate world before you transitioned into what you're doing now. Like, let's just, let's just go way back, girl. Like, let's, let's take it back (laughs) to the beginning. Let's, let's start from the beginning here. Um, You know, you're in college and then you get your first job out of college. Let's start from there. Okay, yeah. So um, I have to admit, I was blogging during college under a different website, and I was blogging very, very poorly. Um, but under the brand Organized Meg, which I have like a dream of kind of reviving one day. Um, if you go there, though, you'll see like five very poorly done blog posts. So I mean, nothing quality there yet. Um, but so I was kind of blogging a little bit in college. And to take it even a step farther back to give context on who how much of a nerd I am. I made my first website when I was 12. Like I was the girl who was on her computer all the time and um, created my own website from scratch, like just loved technology and learning something new. And I always learned things like web design and even like systems and technology. I learned through experience. I didn't take um, any relevant classes in college (laughs) to help me. I was a psychology major um, thought I wanted to be a doctor, worked one day in a hospital as an intern, realized I didn't want to be in a hospital, and um, really just thought I wanted to be a human resources professional. So I worked in HR after college. You know, the organized mag blog died when college ended. And I loved working in human resources. It was my full-time job. So I did some recruiting as well. I definitely played to my strengths of being organized and helping support a team and a business and doing the internal operations of a business. So I really liked it. But what I quickly learned I didn't like was someone telling me what to do. Um, yeah, girl. Yeah. I mean, who knew I was a rebel? I I didn't until then. I was kind of blown away. I have two older sisters who were having babies when I had, you know, a new professional and they live across the country. And so it was weird to have to ask my boss for permission to go see my brand new niece or nephew. And they were great people. So they said yes. So it wasn't like anyone really stopped me, but it just slowly started to wear me down. I just like hated having to ask for permission to go get my hair done or go run an important errand or go visit family and having a limit on that, like 15 days in the whole year that you can't be here. And I was like, I kind of hate this. And I hate, I hated um, just that permission aspect. And so I also am a creative person. So I, I feel like I'm one of those people who's equal parts left brain and right brain. So I majored in the sciences and loved sciences, but I also was creating art and um, you know, being a crafty person through college and my whole life. So I always kind of struggled between them. And um, and I feel like I've resolved that now, but back then it really felt like one, you know, one month, one side would pull me more and then the other would pull me back. And so when I was working in human resources, um, which wasn't very creative, I felt my creative side pulling me. And I knew a little bit about blogging and had some exposure in followed a few people and kind of realized that my web design um, and my creative side could be a business. And so I actually got compliments on my handwriting a lot as well. So I started a business and started offering custom web design, branding, and handwriting services. So that was kind of the first iteration of MeganMins.com was really a design and custom handwriting business. So very different from what I do now. (laughs) 
yeah, and at this point, this was a side hustle, right? Because I feel like totally this is a side hustle. Yeah, this okay. was this was a side hustle that I was just doing. I I started in like twenty unofficially 2012, but really started having clients that paid me something in 2013. So I would have friends that would get married and they would pay me to do signs at their wedding. Or I would have friends that were starting a jewelry business and needed a logo or a friend of a friend who was starting a music uh, teaching business. And so it was all very referral based, um, but it was my first batch of clients. And then slowly, um, strangers started hiring me to do their branding and their web design. And um, it was all on the side. And I was really, again, I did love my actual work at my full-time job. Um, So it was definitely one of those times of life where I sacrificed uh, social events. I worked on the weekends and I definitely worked in the evening. I was not the healthiest side hustler at times, Um, but I, it was definitely a side hustle. And I was doing the design thing for almost, um, well, all of 2013. And then um, even 2014, I was still doing this and kind of just had like maybe two clients at a time at most because I I didn't have the biggest bandwidth. Um, But it was was really fun. But I kind of also started to realize that I – didn't have the thickest skin and that when you are being a creative and you're getting paid for your creativity, that it can be really subjective. And um, it was really, really hard for me. I felt like I compared myself to other designers of the time and never felt good enough. Um, so wasn't you know feeling super confident. I was good. People were happy with my work, but I wasn't feeling internally super um, super good about it. And then I also found myself like when a client didn't like what I would do, it felt like you know, kind of hurt a little bit. And I also felt like I would drain my creativity. Like I didn't, I hadn't experienced that before, but I felt like suddenly there was like a ceiling on my creativity. So it was this, it became something that, you know, I stopped loving kind of in 2014. And I actually, I have just recently started telling people this because it's like a failure that I used to just, I was like, I'm never going to tell people I did this. Um, but now I am because I'm crazy. I actually launched an Etsy shop at the end of 2014 because I love paper planners. I love notepads. Like that was, I always kind of saw myself as maybe being, you know, having my own planner one day and having an Etsy shop in a stationary store. And so I spent all this money and, um, you know, designed products, had them printed, bought shipping supplies, launched my Etsy shop. And on like the first or second week of having it open, I got a cease and desist letter from another Etsy shop owner who thought my notepad was too similar to theirs. It was a weekly planner notepad. So like, you know, Monday through Saturday, you know, Sunday, like there's there's only so much you can do. But if I had gotten that now, I would have handled it totally differently. But having gotten it then when I was so new and I was not in this confident place of running a business, it freaked me out. I was like, am I going to get thrown in jail? (laughs) Like what's happening here? And, um, I shut down the Etsy shop and I had been making sales, but I, I just was too freaked out. And I was in this very not happy mindset at the time. And then this happened and I felt like my dreams were ruined, you know? And so I closed it down and ended 2014 still side hustling, but into 2014, kind of in a negative, like this time in 2014 that had happened. And so um, it, we're recording this at the end of 2017. So 
um, like three years ago. And I ended the year thinking I might shut down my business. It was just like, what am I doing? I was like, yeah, "Yeah, it was devastating. I'd spent time, you know, years of hours and lots of money trying to make this design business work. And it just like wasn't working and I wasn't having fun. So it was a really weird place to end the year. Yeah. And I I actually want to dig into this, Megan. Yeah, that's fine. I think that a lot of people, like you just sharing that story, first off, thank you. And also like that transparency of of all these expectations and the money and the hours and and just the dreams that went into that. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later it ended up, you know, you had to close it down and it left you in this kind of a rut of like a creative rut of not really sure what you should do, if if you should continue, if you should persist or you should quit. Like I feel like this right here, this conversation is the side of entrepreneurship that people really don't see very often, like not on the internet at least. And I think like, how did you approach that? How did you overcome it? And, and at what point did you say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to continue on? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I was very thankful to have throughout the entire journey and through now to have a good support system. Um, I had, you know, now my husband, we were dating then and he was always supportive and my friends and and I had um, a community of business friends that, you know, when that happened, I shared the whole experience with them and they were cheering me on and trying to help me out. And but with with entrepreneurship, it is so personal. So even when you have great support, like it is internal. Like there's a lot going on internally that has to happen. And so I really took it slow in the holidays. So, you know, we were it was right around thanks if I remember correctly, it was around Thanksgiving. It could have happened earlier in November, but it was in, you know, holiday season basically. So I kind of took it easy. I wasn't taking on any new clients. I kind of had this just moment where I was like, I am not taking another design client right now, maybe forever, but at least right now, because I'm not having fun doing it and I need to rethink things and just kind of put a pause. So kind of just hit the pause button and let myself enjoy the holidays and relax and not be stressed out and have fun in my personal life and just giving myself that space. And I did have a mentor at the time who was so wonderful. And she and I, um, we're like staying in touch through this whole process. And so we jumped on a call end of December, early January, and she was trying to help me talk through this. And so again, the support piece here, no, someone who had business experience, especially, um, was really, really helpful for me because we were able to kind of brainstorm what is next. Um, cause I did still have this itch for, entrepreneurship and making my own business and leaving the corporate role, like corporate world. That was, um, that was kind of the goal, even in the design business, when I was not taking it super serious at the very beginning, it was kind of the dream. Like, could I ever leave my full-time job? And it felt impossible. Like it would never happen, but that was kind of the goal. And I knew I still wanted to accomplish that. So I needed to change my business. And that in and of itself for me at that time felt really scary. It felt wrong. It felt like pivoting was an f- admission of failure. And um, I am now the biggest fan of pivoting. I'm in the middle of a pivot right now while we're recording this. And I've pivoted in several different ways. And sometimes they're really significant and sometimes they're pretty small. But I think that um, what I really learned through that first pivot, if you will, is just how important it is to let yourself evolve and that when you start your business, it's really important to, because I wish I had known this. I wish I had started my business knowing 
evolution was necessary. Your business cannot stay the same forever and succeed. All businesses, like we're seeing in our current society, now that Amazon exists, you know, Barnes and Noble has to redo their business model. Now that, or Walmart, you know, big stores are changing because of newer businesses. And Uber affecting the taxi industry, like that is the nature of business is evolution. And you have to, even when you're at the top of your game, continue to evolve. So I wish I had gone into business and entrepreneurship realizing that because I totally didn't. And so when I hit that breaking point of needing to shift, it felt like a negative thing. It didn't feel like a positive thing. Um, But I was talking to my mentor and she was just asking me some really basic questions. And since I did have a full-time job, she was kind of able to really focus on that. Like, okay, in your full-time job, what are you really good at? What do people always ask you to do? What do you feel like you do that no one else does? And for me in my role, those things were organizing the files, you know, digital or physical filing system, organizing those, setting up systems and processes for maintaining that. Um, It was implementing project management systems. It was um, organization. It was, you know, all the stuff I do now, (laughs) but it was in my full-time setting. And she was sitting there listening to me, asking some questions. And she said, have you ever thought about being a virtual assistant? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, let me tell you about it. And she told me a little bit about what virtual assistants do. I had seen them online, you know, but as a designer with no team, I I didn't really know exactly what that would look like. And um, I slowly realized that that's exactly what I love doing. Someone will pay me to come organize the back, like their files and do administrative tasks for them. Like, wow, that's kind of what I do as an HR person is administrative tasks and organization and you know, communication. And um, so it was really interesting. And so in January of 2015, I have to get my years straight. January of 2015, <laughs> I decided to try being a virtual assistant. So I re- redid my website and decided that I was going to be a virtual assistant who um, wasn't just your average virtual assistant because I knew I had advanced technical skills because I was wasting time in my business learning new technology. You know, that was my procrastination method was learning tech. And so I knew I had really great tech skills that people struggled with. And I saw that in Facebook groups I was in. I was always answering questions people had. And I knew I could do design. And so as a virtual assistant who wasn't just going to answer your email or manage your Facebook group, I could also do your social media graphics and website graphics. I could update your website for you. I could totally manage your email marketing system and any other tech that you're using, membership sites. And I kind of felt like I was this like all-in-one package. So I debuted this and I got booked out, still working full-time. So booked out for me was within my small amount of hours I had to give, um, but was booked out with like five clients within like two months. And I didn't do any real good marketing. I was just answering questions in Facebook groups. And that's how I got booked out, just by being a resource and answering people's questions and they wanted to hire me. So it was really cool to see this dramatic uh, change in my business. I was working with people and I loved what I was doing. They were blown away by things that I thought were so simple. And that felt so natural to me. And they were paying me to do it and paying me good. And I was saying, no, I wasn't taking any more clients. And um, 
and it happened fast. And so for me, part of what I've learned from that is that when you're doing your zone of genius and what you're really, really good at, things can happen fast because you are instantly excited about what you're doing. Selling isn't really selling because you're just being yourself. And it was an awesome, awesome way to kind of kick off 2015 after such a sad way to end 2014. Right. I love that you said, like when it came to finding clients, you were just a resource to them, answering questions and helping them with solutions. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't focus on when they're trying to sell products or trying to sell services is they're just like, I don't know. I just see people marketing in a way that's not service driven. Yeah. And I feel like that's like exactly what you were doing is you were trying to find clients. So you went out and you were being as a service, like you were being um, a resource to people. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like for anyone listening that whether they're in the service space or product space as an entrepreneur, like serving your client or your customers, that's the lifeblood of your entire business. Absolutely. And so like, how do you approach uh, setting expectations with clients and making sure that you're always serving them in in a way that they expect, but also in a way that's that's really true to your specific zone of genius? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, we haven't gone through my whole story yet, but you'll see that um, part of doing this is, uh, in the name of evolving, is still continuing to refine what your zone of genius is. Um, mm-hmm. Because I did learn while I was doing all the things as a virtual assistant that there were some things I was better at than others. And there were other people who were better at some of that than I was. So um, that's where evolutions continue, uh, which we can get into later. But as a service provider, First of all, being in the Facebook group, that piece of it that I talked on, I didn't even, I wasn't even smart enough at the time, marketing wise, to like realize that I was kind of indirectly marketing. That was just naturally how I wanted to engage with my community. I was in Facebook groups for my own support, and I was a student in some courses. That's how I met Mariah Cause, is because I bought her program, Your First 1K, and was in her student community answering people's email marketing questions from the tech perspective. And so she hired me uh, because of that. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how it all works. But that's so cool. Um, I was just genuinely, I think to me, it's when you love what you do and you're actually an expert at what you do and you see a question you can answer, like you can't not answer it. <laughs> like that's the hardest thing in the world to to just ignore it. And so it really comes from a place, like you said, of actually being like um, being a service provider and wanting to generally help your fellow man. Um, but as a service provider with client expectations, to me, I mean, that starts in the interview. So when I had interviews with prospective clients, I had a welcome packet that I sent them before our call. So it wasn't even really a, a welcome packet because we weren't hiring yet. You know, she hadn't hired me yet. It was just an info packet where I didn't just go into my, cer- you know, here are the two packages I have. I went into, here's every system I use. Here's when I work, especially since I had a full-time job still. I had to make sure my clients knew I am not working until after 5 p.m. Central. You know, I am not on, I can't like legally check (laughs) my email before then. And so I had to set super clear expectations from the get-go of this is when I'm working. This is when we can have calls. This is when we can't have calls. You know, I had a little hour-long lunch break that I would take calls in if I needed to. Um, And setting all of those expectations um, in the interview process. And 
That was also when I would even put my demands for systems. Like we will use Asana and we will use uh, that and not email. And Slack was around. So we will use Slack and Asana and G Suite and that is it. And we are not using Dropbox and we are not using Trello and we are not using X, Y, and Z. And we're not communicating via email. I will not do that. So that was kind of where those expectations got set. And so even now, and I think this goes for any service provider or coach, um, setting those expectations right at the beginning is crucial because it's a lot harder to, you know, enforce (laughs) those kind of things later down the road. It's totally possible. Um, But the best time to do it is in that interview stage. I love that because I think a lot of times, I mean, this has even happened with some of the people I've worked with or even some of my friends who are entrepreneurs is they'll get after, um, you know, after the service has been provided or after the product is already in the hands of the consumer. And there's this miscommunication of I didn't get what I wanted or even, you know, just like how to handle those expectations and, and really setting boundaries around what the client expects, but also what you as a service provider um, or entrepreneur, what you expect of them too. And like setting those firm boundaries and those firm um, expectations. I think that's something that it's, it's tough. Like if you don't have a, um, like more of a firm personality where you know yourself, you know your own boundaries and you're able to communicate that well. I think it's hard to set expectations with clients and, and just with customers in general. If you if you aren't comfortable setting those expectations and boundaries for your own self too, like your own personal productivity. That's such a good point. I definitely felt like it was easy. It was easy for me because I had a very real bound, like I had an enforced upon me boundary of my full-time job. So it was like, I had to communicate that because also like my, the way my company worked, it was like, they track your computer, they record your screen. So it's like, if I was working on my business during work hours, they would know it. And if they wanted to, they could get, you know, I could get in trouble in theory for that. And so it was just this like very real thing that I had, I had. So I had the the fortune to where I didn't have to create my own boundaries in that sense, um, Mm -hmm. because they were done for me. I actually think it's a lot harder even now where I am. I'm still figuring out, um, not not from a productivity angle per se, but like boundaries. Like I had a conversation with um, some women today about, okay, what's the, you know, how can we reestablish some boundaries? Cause I am in a transition right now. So my boundaries with existing clients need to evolve. And so even now the boundary conversation is still happening. And it is because I think it's harder when you're making your own boundaries. That is, it's a lot more challenging than when you have something like a full-time job to kind of guide those boundaries. Um, So I think it's, it's always an evolving journey (laughs) Mm -hmm. as is entrepreneurship, but, um, but yeah, I think that's a great point. I was kind of glad that I had the full-time job for that whole season because I got to work from a place of just pure joy and not even stress. Like I wasn't stressed about money. Yeah, I wanted to leave my full-time job. I had financial goals, but my this was a side hustle, which meant I just got to love working with people. And if I didn't like working with them, I dropped that client. If it was stressful or it wasn't the right work for me, I dropped them. And I could do that cuz in theory, I didn't need any of that money. You know, I had other means of income. So, it was a really amazing way to start my business, I think. So then you 
you worked your side hustle up to where you could finally quit your full-time job. Yeah. So I so quit in take, November. Take, take me uh, November of 2015. 15. So you were, you were running your side hustle kind of more as a v, virtual assistant VA yeah. um, for yeah. like 11 months until you quit your side, not quit your side hustle. Well, you kind of, yeah. you did. You, <laughs> you took my your full-time job. Into your full-time job and then take us to there. So you, you quit your corporate job. You are taking your, your side hustle full-time. What were the qualifications for you to quit your corporate job and take your side hustle full time? Like, what were the things that you're like, my side hustle needs to be making this much. It needs to look like this. Like, what were your kind of, I guess, expectations and boundaries for that before you were able to take it to the next level? Yeah, that's a great question. So I am not the type of person who just takes a leap blindly. Um, I have talked to other amazing entrepreneurs who are totally just like, I quit and knew I'd figured it out. And I I didn't, I wasn't that cool because I did have expenses and I am a planner by nature. And so I needed a plan that made me feel safe. And um, so that it took a little bit more time, but even 11 months from transitioning into being a VA, I feel very proud of that. And just, I think it's a testament or testimony to just doing the right work um, for you. But Mm -hmm. for me, it was matching my full-time salary. And I wasn't, you know, making six figures in my full-time job. You've got to think I was still like two or three years into an HR job. So this wasn't like crazy money, but this was still money I needed to live off of. So my expectation for my business was I can quit my business when I can see how it will match my salary. And so as a service provider where, you know, whether you're on a retainer or not, hours are dollars basically. Um, and so what I did is I had clients at the time who wanted more of me and I, I had told them very openly, like, thank you. That means a lot to me. I have no more time to give. Like this is as much as I can give and still have like a good life where I'm not just working 24 seven. Um, so I had conversations with them leading up to this where it was like, if I quit, I could give you X, but I would need Y. And I had enough clients who were said, I will give you that. Like, And we signed a contract before I turned in my notice for the new terms of how many hours, what the retainer was, how much money I would make. And so I gave in, gave my two-week notice once that was all locked and loaded for the next six months because I was doing a six-month retainer. So I had it all planned. <laughs> so it was very much just like I made um up to my retainers, but the start date, you know, wasn't for another month and um so that I could give my notice and sign contracts and stuff. So that was really it for me. It was just having clients that loved me and had work and I was essential to their business now and they wanted me to do more. So um so that's how I did it and I gave my two week notice and then I had a business where I had um, an equal matched, you know, amount of income for my business. Obviously, I would be paying taxes and <laughs> more things than I was before, um, but it felt really good and safe and allowed me to start doing more things. I also, in between um, being a VA and quitting, I did launch my very first course in the summer of 2015 that was called Squarespace in One Weekend, and that program no longer exists, but it still was a great name. Um, I have all the domains still. Um, but it it also gave me – I didn't make like a huge amount of money from the launch, but I made several thousand dollars, which for me at the time being my first product was like 
what? This is crazy. So what was the price point of the, of your first product just out of personal curiosity? Gosh, I feel like I'm going to get it wrong. I haven't looked at that in a long time. I did a pre-sale for it. So I think it was like pre-sale for $97. And then I think I bumped it to like 147 full price or 197, something less than $200 if I recall. Um, and so it was just like, validation. To me, that whole time was just like, I can make money from products. My money doesn't have to just be coming from these services. So when I quit my full-time job, um, that was part of the plan also was here I have my services, but now let's let's do some products. Let's get some affiliate revenue. Let's do some joint venture webinars and let's kind of get some more cash flowing. Right. So that's where I was at November 2015, which just like blows my mind from where yeah, I was two the years year ago. before. It was two years ago. It was just like things are exciting in the yeah. world of entrepreneurship. <laughs> Ups yes, and downs <laughs> from one year to the next. <laughs> I love that. But well, that's like just that's the truth. It's yeah. reality. You know, like I think there are these pictures of it's a kind of vanity metrics of what it looks like and what it could be like to be an entrepreneur. But then the actual doing of it, the reality of being an entrepreneur, I think is very different than sometimes what people think it is. And that's why I love conversations like this, because you have the highs where you quit your full time job and you took your side hustle full time and you're like two years later, you're still cranking, you know, and like you're pivoting and doing even more amazing things and growing your business. But there are also so, you know, serious lows where it comes with a lot of doubt, a lot of comparison, like you mentioned earlier. You know, there are seasons where you're not sure if this is a season where I should pivot or a season where I should, you know, persevere. Mm-hmm. And so right now you're kind of in this season where you're pivoting. And I know there's a big two year chunk there that we're missing, but I really want to dive into kind of like lead up to where you are right now, really quickly. And then, like, yeah. this, this feeling and this, this idea of, of pivoting because I th- I think and totally what you said earlier as well of like Uber changed the taxi industry and Amazon's changing the way people are buying their groceries like big business evolves small business evolves and whenever you start a business that's not what it's going to look like forever you know yeah. what you start right now could not be what it looks like in six months and so that idea of pivoting like I I love this topic and I like really want to talk about this so yeah take totally. it take it away girl <laughs> okay well I'll do like a quick one sentence summary of the past two years is just I kept doing what I was good at. I was a VA. I stopped doing some of the stuff like social media graphics and I stopped doing inbox management for some of my clients and just gradually became a higher role within my clients' businesses where I really became what I call an online business manager. Meant that I wasn't necessarily doing all the tasks, but I was managing the team who was doing all the tasks and I was still doing the tech work as well. So that was really it and just creating some products and courses and things like that. So not too much has changed in the past two years, except just kind of growing in that capacity. Um, So now where I'm at, to me, 20, I don't know if you have felt it at all. The people in my world have been feeling that 2017 has been this like year of like brew, like things are brewing under the surface and not, no one really knows exactly where it's going to go, but things are evolving. Not only in, um, I am in the like B2B space, like I help other business owners. So at least in the B2B space, I feel like marketing can't stay the way it has been. You know, no one courses can't stay the same way. Like there's this just evolution in our market. And so 
I've been also feeling that in my own business, just like me, like feeling called to help in a different way, but I didn't know what that was. So earlier this year, I transitioned into being a project manager for my client. So I actually stopped doing all of the tasks and was like just doing project management. And that was in the later part of this year. And I thought that was my big pivot. So like two months ago, <laughs> three months ago, I was like, that's the big pivot for Megan Mins right now. It's just doing project management and accepting some more clients in that capacity. And I was totally wrong because that started the pivot I'm still in. And as we're recording this, because that was the right step for me in feeling like I, because basically the pain point I was feeling that caused this was not only just this deeper thing brewing within that I couldn't name, but also this need for um, boundaries, which we've already talked about. Because I think as a service provider, any service providers listening, um, if you work with a client for a long time, you become really, really invested and ingrained in their business, which is great. That's how it should be. But I found myself not spending any time on my own business and just spending time on client work, um, which was working for a long time for me. And so part of what was brewing within was the acknowledgement that there's more to MeganMins.com than just my client's work. There's a bigger voice. There's a bigger message. There's something bigger here that needs attention. And I need to create space for this. this. So doing project management was a great step in kind of drawing some boundaries between client work and my time and opening up time for me to focus on me and figure out what this is. So hired a mentor a few months ago, a business coach, who's just been a game changer for me. Wish I had hired a business coach forever ago. Biggest regret is that I just did that. So such a game changer. But basically the pivot I'm in right now, just I'll be totally honest with everyone listening. And when you're listening, you know, we recorded this like a month before. So who knows what you're seeing publicly at MeganMins.com right now. But um, I realized that the project management transition was just part one of this greater transition into being a bigger voice in my space. And um, that is a scary thing for me to say because my comfort zone is being behind the scenes as a service provider. That's been my comfort zone. Um, and so this is a stretch of like stepping into the spotlight. Um, not that I'm like a famous celebrity in the spotlight, but I think you know what I mean. Being, right, I know what you mean. Like accepting that I want to be a voice and that I think I can serve at a higher level. So so I'm still transitioning. I'm actually not taking project management clients anymore. And I'm not even going to be a project manager by the time this comes out. I think it'll be my last month with my client as a project manager. And so it's really stepping into... Um, my zone of genius in a bigger way, which for me and where I'm thinking it's going to go is um, really helping people in the way – it's funny how this always works. It's the way people have been asking me to help them, but I didn't really see it at first. Um, and it's by helping people be more productive, but not for productivity's sake, but to actually improve their life. And as business owners, your business is affected as well. So. Right. It's really exciting. Um, but so I'm still feeling this out. I have some coaching clients I'm working with right now where I'm helping people one-on-one -on -one, uh, create their ideal schedule and create boundaries and when are they going to batch things and when are they going to take time off and what do we what workflows do we need to put in place? What do we need to delegate? What do we, you know, what do we need to change in what you're doing to give you the structure that you uniquely need to enjoy your business and your life. And uh, Mariah, who's one of my clients for a long time, is um, 
she always tells me that I helped her create a structure to work in where she can thrive, but it's unique to her. And so that's part of what I'm trying to help people do is create their own unique structure for productivity because one person might like the Pomodoro schedule. One person might not need that, you know, or maybe someone needs to block schedule their day out and maybe another person needs to block schedule a week to do a big batch, you know so many different ways to work and we're all so different and our lives are so different and how much we want to work is is so different. But my goal is really to help people have fun doing this thing called life and entrepreneurship. And you know, whether you're a solopreneur, a side hustler, or a million dollar business owner, like you as an individual person um, can probably make some changes in the way you handle your time. Um that would help you be happier and be less stressed out and not burn out and like at a very real level. So that's kind of my my new evolution is is helping people in this capacity and again, you know, I don't know exactly what I have an idea of where I think it's going to go. Um but I don't know 100%. Um but it's exciting to take action in this direction and start taking clients and, you know, it's funny, we're ending 2017 and I'm a big planner if you haven't gathered. So I love plans. I I die for 90-day plans. Like I live and breathe by my plans. I don't have plans for 2018. And um that's almost feel almost feels like a weird thing to admit. Um, but I feel like I'm in this space of trying to walk my own talk and also being in a transition and trying to embrace it and not rush it. And I'm trying to just like go with the flow a little bit. I definitely will have a plan for the first 90 days of December, or I'm sorry, of 2018, probably before that happens because we still have some time left in 2017 while we're recording this. But it's it's a nice like change to kind of just be like, let's just start. Like let's just, instead of procrastinating through planning, which I used to do, let's let's just start. Let's just take some action. Let's work with people in this way and then see where it goes. So that's like the real talk of where I'm at right now. Oh, I love that. That is so inspiring because I think sometimes I procrastinate a lot in planning and like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and here are all the things I'm going to do. And then when it gets down to actually doing it, I revert back to like, just not taking action on the things that I really want to do. Yeah. And Isn't that funny it, that happens? Yeah. Why do we do that, Megan? Yeah. That's a great, you know, I should write a book. Um, But <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. I've been there. And so I just admitted like I've done that too. And I did a survey for my audience back in the summer, you know, while this evolution was brewing inside of me, I was like, what do the people want? And so many people told me I'm great at making plans, but I'm not great at taking action or actually implementing or following through with the plans I make. And so this is definitely a thing a lot of people experience, um, which is something I want to solve through my work with people is it's not just plans. There's got to be more. There's got to be accountability. There's got to be something. And I think maybe it's slightly different for each person. Um, But I also think some of it's the fear. Like if you really, you know, get into a mindset mode and try to analyze yourself and your actions, you're probably procrastinating because you're afraid of so many different things. I think for me, I touched on this a little bit, but like being a voice or being visible 
like I don't have problems sitting here recording this with you, but like the general concept of like saying I'm going to do podcast interviews or I'm going to be on Facebook Live or like I have this message I'm going to communicate to the world. Um it can feel really scary because for me, it loops into like a fear of rejection. And so even if I know I want to be visible, I will still procrastinate on taking action because ultimately I'm afraid of the rejection that might come from being visible. And so you really have to work on that. (laughs) And and like just the awareness of it, you don't have to solve that. I haven't like removed my fear of rejection, but if you can name it and be aware of it, when you experience it, you can call it out. And that helps kind of get rid of it because you you know really, like you said, you really want to do this. Like you know you want to do this. So so you just need to call out what's really stopping you and and just do it. So yeah. that's why I don't I'm not wasting time right now mapping out a perfect 2018. Because I really think that the lessons I learn in working with people one-on-one for the next few months is would change those plans anyways. So instead of procrastinating reaching out to people who I want to work with, um, I'm just going to reach out to them and, you know, whatever I'm going to blog about six months from now can figure itself out by then. (laughs) I don't need to know right now. So, um, and that's been a flip for me. Like this is a, a big evolution, um, that I'm going through still. And that doesn't mean I don't want to put out content consistently, but it, it does mean that my priority is shifting into like, I'm going to, I'm going to get clients. Like I'm going to work with people in this way. And that's, that's ultimately my goal. And so whatever I want to do that feels exciting and fun to get that, then I will. If that's Facebook live, great. If it's interviews, great. If it's whatever, great. But that's the focus right now. Instead of just feeling this pressure to like have everything figured out for the next 12 months. I love this. I love this conversation so much because I think, and I maybe I'm not speaking for you, but there's this pressure that we put on ourselves to have this perfect plan walking into something new, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's like me. How for can sure. you, <laughs> like how can you walk into something you're doing for the very first time with a perfect plan? Because you've never done it before, you know? So it's like I get caught up in that internal pressure of like, well, I gotta know what I'm gonna do because I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Well, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. But I I really appreciate you. Uh, being transparent and and walking through this with me because where you are right now as far as pivoting and kind of loosening up and and not necessarily having to have this perfect plan, I'm in that same space. So this has really helped me and I hope it's it's helped everyone listening too. Walking into the new year, not having this massive pressure on your shoulders to have this perfect plan for your side hustle or your business. And I think it's incredibly freeing whenever you get really clear on what's holding you back, like you said earlier, Megan, really being able to identify it, but also just I don't know, just like letting letting the the reins off a little bit and kind of like not not being lazy, not stepping back, but letting letting the genius happen where it's going to happen instead of trying to plan your your moments of genius. It's really tough to plan that. Totally. I mean, and again, I definitely think to me this is a seasonal thing cuz I do I do know myself and I do know that in general when I have a plan I get more done. I think right. the season that I'm in with this transition is this acknowledgement that I don't need to just get more done if it's the wrong thing. So since I'm still figuring out what the right thing would even be, 
I'm not going to just go make plans and put out content to put out content unless it's just like super inspired um, or something on my heart. So I do envision that like probably in the next few weeks when I have this clarity and I do kind of have this excitement and direction, um, the plans will come back. But there, I totally agree. It's very freeing to take the pressure off. Um, and I'm just loving it. I'm working um, with a woman named Ariel Frey. And she is like totally helping me do this because for me it is, I do revert back into wanting the perfect plan and she's constantly helping me just say like, no, like, okay, like remember our focus here is this, like let's, let's keep, keep our eye on the prize right now. You don't have to have it all figured out to make these changes. And so that's been really helpful. Again, having support um, in your life can really make this easier. Um, and so she's been like a game changer for me. If you ever want to watch, um, a Facebook live, that's just going to totally inspire you. You should watch her Facebook lives because every time I watch them, I'm like, she's speaking to me. <laughs> so it's just like having people like that in your world, um, whether you pay to work with them or they're just friends of yours. Um, having a support system has been my biggest lesson in 2017 for sure is just support you need support. Like entrepreneurship can be so isolating and internalizing. And if you don't have people that you can strategize with and plan with and talk things out and get helpful feedback, um, then it's just so much harder. Because as much as your personal life can, like my friends and family are so great and so supportive, but like the reality of what they do versus what I do means that there is this like unspoken barrier of things that they just like they can't really give me strategic feedback. They can give me helpful feedback from their perspective, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same thing as talking strategy with someone else who has the business model you want to have, you know, or things like that. So definitely just want to encourage everyone listening, no matter what stage of business you're in, that I think having a support system, like as in a coach or a mentor or maybe a paid mastermind is so, so, so helpful. And I wish I had made this investment sooner. That's great advice. I'm actually that's one of my goals for Q1 of next year oh, is yeah. to hire to hire a business coach. So Oh, well, let's talk after this. I have some referrals yeah. for you. I would I would love that. Um girl, this has been so much fun. I have loved hearing your story and hearing just more about the idea of pivoting and and just getting behind the idea that it's okay to pivot, it's okay to change and evolve and and to, you know, not have this perfect plan to plan, of course, but to <laughs> kind of to plan, yes, but to also allow yourself space to be more productive. And I wish I could talk to you for literally hours. And I'm actually, I'm flying to Houston next week to meet Yay! with Megan. In person. So excited. So, so we can talk even more then. Um, but, uh, I just kind of want to wrap up the show with asking uh, a question. But before I ask that, I'd love for you to share where people can find you online as well as I know that you prepared a little giveaway. So if you want to bring that up, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I have actually one quick thing I want to say and then I'll do that. Um, Please. I was remembering when I brought up Ariel, I had something specific I wanted to say. And it was that she recently told me that if you are stressed out and feeling pressure, then you're you're doing your business wrong. Like you can do it better because you can have fun. And so maybe there are things to say no to or, you know, pressure to let go of. So when she told me that and I kind of let go of this pressure to have 2018 mapped out, it was like, 
oh, I feel so much lighter. Like I feel the relief from that pressure I was putting on myself. So um, I just wanted to share that with anyone listening. I just felt like I needed to share that. Um, but yeah, so you can find me at meganmins.com. That's M-E-G-A-N-M-I-N-N-S.com. And I did prepare a freebie. I have a workbook. It's like four or five pages, so not a huge workbook, but I have a workbook that's so, so helpful that's going to help you plan your ideal day. So like what does your schedule need to look like to get all the things done? So it's exactly what I used when I was a side hustler trying to figure out how many clients can I work with um, or what when am I actually going to get this done? And even now I still use it when I'm trying to figure out um, how I can have my most productive and enjoyable day and get those goals that I have, um, accomplish those and make work that's important and not just work for work's sake. So you can go to meganmins.com forward slash laptop lifestyle, and you can download a free copy of that. So definitely go check that out. Yay. And I actually, as you were talking, I just downloaded my oh, free, yes. <laughs> my free ideal day. Um, so thank you so much for giving that away for free. Again, guys, that's meganmins.com forward slash laptop lifestyle. And I'll have that linked up in the show notes of this too. So you can just go to the show notes and click the link. Um, so thank you so much again, Megan. I just want to acknowledge you for just the light that you are to uh, just my life personally, but also just the world of entrepreneurship and planning. And you really make this idea of productivity and systems and processes fun and you make it doable and you make the idea of productivity something that's fun instead of something that can weigh you down and feel like you have no idea what you're doing. So oh, I, you. I just want to encourage you to 100% go all in on this. I'm really, really excited to see these pivots in 2018. And my last question for you, it's a question I ask every guest on the show, is what does the laptop lifestyle mean to you? Ooh, good question. Um, for me, for me, it means having ultimate control of my time. And whether that's where I'm working or when I'm working or how I'm working, that's that's what it means for me. 